0: Steps into it, passes, caught! Diggs, sideline, touchdown!
1: the unbelievable podcast I am BJ Rydell back here with my guy Drew Mahold and today well it's we're coming to you with a bit of mixed feelings here because the Vikings got a victory winning over the Lions at home by a final score of 19 to 17 and that's all well and good especially because in recent weeks we've been dealing with moral victories and situations where we did not uh, you know get the result we were looking for, but the team played well. Well, we kind of got the flip side here uh, this week in week five from your Minnesota Vikings in that ultimately the scoreboard shows Vikings are moving to two and three, got what we needed. But how did we get there? It wasn't. It wasn't the greatest. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about what this win means and kind of the situation that, you know, it sets up for the Vikings moving forward, including a rather difficult uh, schedule on the horizon here. Uh, And then we'll give out some game balls uh, because there were some players that played well. Obviously, when you get a win, uh, there are some things that go right, even if the way that you got there was not the most pleasant of ways. Let's let's call it that. So. That is the general outline for today's show. Uh, let's jump right into it here with the quarterback, as we always do, starting with Kirk Cousins. The the line that you're going to see in the box score does not look terrible. Twenty-five for thirty-four, two seventy-five, one touchdown, one interception. But he really didn't feel like it. Like it did not feel like the ball. The Vikings moved the ball well enough for him to have two hundred seventy-five passing yards, considering the fact that. Mm-hmm with the exception to maybe one drive, it felt like the Vikings were kind of slowly chugging along and then punting basically the entire game.
0: Well, I, so I, I don't know if this is on Kirk, if it's on Clint Kubiak, if it's on Mike Zimmer, but just the lack of aggressiveness down the field and Ridiculous. always opting for the short throws, um, it that's the part I'm the most frustrated with. And again, I'm not sure exactly who this is all on. I think... We know Kirk is kind of the guy that's not going to really go out on a limb and take the chances on his own. He's going to do it if sort of the yeah, the the scheme him. and the play call you know calls for it. Uh, but either way, like you have a guy in Justin Jefferson who I, I so I was at the game and when he got hot early in that game, I was watching him. I try I like locked my eyes on him for essentially every offensive snap. Um, with the exception of kind of the few where I'll get mixed in there. I try to watch him a little bit, but Jefferson is open. Every single time he is in one-on-one man coverage, he gets open. He breaks open. It's open every single time. He creates so much separation. And then as we see when he is running that nine route and it's one-on-one there, it doesn't matter if he's open because he's going to work back and find the ball and either high point it or Kirk is, become really adept at throwing that ball down the sideline and giving him a good chance to make the play. So the point I'm wrapping up to here is the Vikings need to be more aggressive passing the ball. They need to be more aggressive with it. And whether it's, you know, they take the sack and then it's second and 16 and they just, they bail on the entire series as it is, or whether it's um, just the, the seemingly overflow of, you know, short dump off plays to guys that, you know, I I'm all for getting the ball to Alexander Madison. um, You know, when he's like the primary running back of the game, but he had seven receptions in that game. I don't think the Vikings need to be dumping it off to Alexander Madison, seven times a game. Um, and, And part of this is on Kirk too. I feel like there's probably some plays in there where he maybe dumped it off too quick. I mean, he could have maybe waited a little bit more for the play to develop. And that farther shot down the field was open either way. It's just, when you have a guy like Kirk, you can throw the ball as accurately as almost anybody in the NFL down the field. You have a Justin Jefferson, who um, is probably one of the better route runners in the NFL, especially on those routes that are 10 plus yards downfield, breaking open into the open field. Um, same thing with Adam Thielen. And there I was trying to find that stat. I'll have to um, try to find it here. But the Vikings are one of the lowest ranked teams in terms of passing attempts. Uh, on deep passing attempts this year when you have that type of personnel and you're kind of wasting it. I do not like that. So, um, this is kind of, I'm I'm not really, I'm kind of deflecting blame from Kirk, but I don't really want to, I mean, I don't know what all the blame is, but I just, the lack of deep pass attempts is what I'm frustrated with.
1: Yeah. You you do need to push it down the field a little bit more, right? Like if you analyze just the, just the first half kind of in a nutshell, right? The first half did not go the Vikings way. If you will, I mean, they scored a touchdown. They ultimately were leading by a score of 13 to six, but they had to settle for field goals on a couple of drives. But overall it was a rather efficient, you know, half of football for the Vikings offense. They were consistent moving the ball down the field. And that naturally included Justin Jefferson, as Drew, as Drew was talking about, I believe he racked up about a hundred yards or over a hundred yards. in just that first half alone, it really started for me in terms of the frustration in this game, when Mike Zimmer decided with what was it, 41 seconds left in the first half, yeah, that's I hated sitting that sitting on a seven point lead against Detroit when you've scored 13 and a half, you're going to sit on that. That's good enough for you. That was really where the frustration Cause, started. Cause because I, was like, I
0: felt like the Lions were gifting the Vikings a possession there by kicking in the first place. Absolutely. It was like fourth and two with like the, the 45 seconds left, and the Vikings had the timeout, like two timeouts left. Yep. That was gifting the Vikings a chance when they could have two
1: timeouts. A, yeah, they a, stopped the Lions the clock twice. could have
0: gone down and scored themselves a touchdown with that time left because there was 40 seconds left. They had timeouts to use and there was only two yards to get on the first down. And so I felt like that was a terrible decision by Campbell and they were gifting the Vikings a chance there and Zimmer just wasted it. I, I did not like that either. I'm with you on that.
1: And and on top of that, I'm watching red zone at the same like simultaneously. Right? I've got the Vikings on the big, big screen. I've got red mm-hmm. zone on kind of a quad That's box. As one does, Right. Of course. And uh, naturally, as this is happening, Joe Burrow connects with Jamar Chase with what, 30 seconds left to go over the top of the Packers defense to, you know, pull within striking distance going into the half. And I'm like, why can't we just try it? Why? Yeah.
0: Well, then, then the problem is, and well, I mean, we could get to the whole last second drive that Kirk puts together, but he basically proves that he's good that at it. Play, yeah. He's really good at do it. That. And oh he's done God. it all year. He's done it three games That's this year now where part. they've been, they've You're had right. less than a minute to play and they need to get down the field. And he does it. Every so, time
1: with 30 seconds or yes, less yeah. or no timeouts, timeouts, whatever. I mean, you went through it earlier today. Uh, what was it? Four out of five games that he's been asked to, to have like on a game winning drive. He's so yeah, the, I mean, it's the, really the,
0: the Browns game is the only game they didn't do it. And that's because they needed the touchdown instead of right. the field goal. But, you know, the first game of the year, Cincinnati, they had less than a minute or a minute, maybe mm-hmm. drove down the field. They get a field goal to tie to go overtime, Arizona games, same thing. They're down to, um, I think a minute or maybe a little bit less than that was left. Kirk drives them down the field. They get that 37-yard attempt uh, where, I mean, they make that, and we're talking about a different team here. We're talking about three-and-two football team at Arizona. It's no longer undefeated. Uh, right. Same thing then this week. The Vikings, miraculously, albeit, are suddenly down by one against Detroit at home here. And Kirk has 30-something seconds to work with, and, and I believe two timeouts. And connects on a couple of nice throws over the middle to Thielen, gets mid-field goal range. Joseph hits the game winner. And so – Kirk has been sneakily clutched this year. And I want, like, I wanted to talk about that quite a bit here in the show too. But the outside of that play, the, the offense and the conservativeness and the, the, the lack of downfield aggression, given the personality you have is just frustrating to me. Cause again, Kirk passing down the field with, mm-hmm. with a clean pocket is, I mean, he's, he's among the greats in the league at that. And then you have Jefferson, who's, you know, not going to be covered one-on-one you have Thielen, who is as savvy of a route runner as there is sure-handed. He can make the tough catches and he's, it's not like he's got has his prime speed anymore, but he certainly can, can get open on those deeper plays and they're not using it. And so, and of course KJ Osborne has broken out to be a, a very viable um, option as well. So they're wasting all these options to me, um, wasting all these assets that they have by being so conservative and kind of doing that grounded pound game, Um, not to take away from Alexander Madison, the guy's great runner of the football, but man, it just seems like you have an offense that can be explosive. We saw it last year with the way this team performed. It's just, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to figure out the reasoning behind it.
1: This is against the lions too, by the way, like why wouldn't you just try to get to 21 as fast as you can? Like you're probably going to win if you get to 21 against this team. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of that, the lions. So remember I said two years ago, they went to Detroit and the, the lions were scoring points on them. I believe it was like a 35 to 30 game, maybe. Late in the fourth quarter, Vikings had the ball. It was a third down play, and they dialed up a play action deep shot where Diggs got open behind the defense for like yep. a 50 60 yard gain to ice the game. They eventually scored on that drive, which ended up being the, the dagger for sure. But that deep throw is what I was, I've been wanting the Vikings to do when they have this lead. And that, which, you know, the same thing happened last year where they get that lead and they get conservative, and they're kind of, I mean, it's that same mantra. They're playing not to they're playing scared they're playing not to lose they're playing to not make the mistake instead of just playing to be the aggressor which is and that's the sentiment this team has had really for years now um it's been kind of that same thing it just so happens to be in 2017 it was masked because of how dominant that defense was but since then the defense has dwindled off and now we're seeing the ramifications of it
1: i I mean it's strange because First of all, 16 points, sitting on 16 points and trying to win an NFL football game at that number and being like, we're going to try to yeah. chew up clock and win the football game with that many points. That's asinine. Like, that's, you know, that's borderline malpractice. Like, what, in what world does 16 points win you a football game even 75% of the time? It doesn't. You need 21 at least. And in this league right now, you kind of need 30. So why aren't you shooting for that number? Especially when you've seen Detroit come back. Like for what, I mean, we said it on the show. They don't have a lot of talent right now, but they're as gritty as they come. They're going to fight to the death in this game. And that's exactly what they did. The Vikings basically baited them. Throughout this entire second half, they're like, all right, we're going to try to run the ball. We're going to run on third and eight. We're going to run on third and 14. We're going to throw this drive away on second and 20 after a holding penalty. We're going to give you the ball back as many times as you want, because we don't think you can stop us. And we don't think you're going to score on us again. Well, you know what? On the seventh try or whatever, Detroit scored.
0: You give them enough chances. You just hand them, you know, enough punts, right?
1: There's the Vikings should have lost this game. They yeah, should yeah. have oh, lost yeah. this game. They blew that up. The way
0: they mismanaged it was, I mean, it, 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 talking about firing, fireable offenses and hot oh seats God. and stuff. Like, I mean, Joseph, that Joseph conversation. Job. That, com- job. that conversation is had. If Joseph doesn't make that kick, the Vikings lose this game. Because 16, I, okay. I'm going to be dead honest with people listening to this. I'm not necessarily proud of this, but I went to the game I left after Joseph nailed the 55 yarder to make it 16 to 6. I left. I was done. I was like, this game's fine. I, I had a great experience at US Bank Stadium, of course, but the football itself was ugly. I'm done. I'm going to beat the rush. I told my friends I'd pick up Raising Canes for him on the way back. Wanted to get in line early. That's what I did. All of a sudden, I listened to the radio. And, and by the way, Paul Allen and Pete it were awesome. That whole collapse sequence was entertaining stuff. Uh, but so, yeah, maybe I'm the person to blame here for the, you know, the, the curse of leaving the, the stadium too early, but I, there's so much of this that's frustrating to me. Um, and it's the, it's the worst feeling win I can remember in, in, in recent times, like at least there's been a, a comfortable amount of positives to take away from a win, but like the defense kind of played how we expected them to, you know, that was the lions, aren't a powerhouse offense. They've dominated the Lions before, uh, you know, that wasn't really surprising to me. I mean, it was a good performance, but then the offense was just so ugly, kind of picked up right where they left off in that Cleveland game. It's, it's, it's tough. I, I, I it's frustrating again, like the fourth time today, the weapons they have, the arm strength and, and accuracy Cousins has down the field, the receivers that they have, I, it baffles me that they don't, you know, attack that more often.
1: And really, like the pro, like there's someone out there right now, whether it's Rashad Breland or someone else, just saying, just be happy with the win. What are you so pissed off about? I am happy with the win. Like, let's make no mistake about that. We're in a short moment here. We're going to get to some of the positives as well. And, you know, the fact that the Vikings are moving to two and three. Very happy about that. But I'm concerned about the process. And I think we talk about this every time something good happens but you get there kind of like the wrong way. Like, do you remember in high school or middle school? I don't even remember when you were solving math problems and like you'd, you'd solve an answer and they tell you to show your work. And if your work was wrong, you get a point off on the problem. Yep. Oh Yeah. That's basically what I'm doing right now as an adult, this is the adult version of that math problem. The equation is X plus Y equals W and the Vikings got the W, but I do not think they put in the right variables to get there. And I'm pissed about it. It's the wrong process. This is wrong. You can't sit on a 16-point lead.
0: You beat like two out of the 32 teams with the exactly. performance that they put on the field at U.S. Bank Stadium and I'm
1: concerned that. because you're two and three. You need to step on the neck now. You can't give any team the opportunity to come back. Next week, you're going to play Carolina. They're very hungry, and they're pissed that they lost this past game against Philadelphia, and I believe they're on a two-game losing streak. You're going to get their best in, in, uh, in North Carolina you can't do this. If you get up 16 to six on Carolina, you're going to lose 31 to 19. Like Greg Joseph, very happy with his performance. It goes back to echo what I was saying before. This guy could have spiraled and fallen apart. Hey, he could have done it this week too, missing a 49 yarder. That was a relatively clutch situation, but he goes four for five. He's the difference in this game. And that's all good. Well, and good, but like, ultimately you don't want your kicker kicking. Like start, start going for it. Start trying to win they're trying to score more settling points. for you field goals win. is not
0: something to be proud of like no, like it's not. I, I i get this and i've I, the sentiment seems to be scoring on a drive is good and obviously scoring points is better than not scoring points but i don't know about you but as a fan i get upset when my team kicks a field goal it, it, because it's not the that's not the goal of any drive any okay. drive the goal is to score a touchdown and so if you didn't score a touchdown on that drive, something went wrong. And it seems like, you know, the, the bothering thing to me is, and it seemed like the Vikings did this a few times where you got a good drive going. It got a good flow going. They, let's say they get to the Detroit 25 or 30 yard line or the opposing 25, 30 yard line. All of a sudden Kirk takes a sack on first down. Well, now it's second and 18 and they, they run it the seems like so often they just give up. Like they don't even try to get the first down. It's, it's either a screen play for six yards and it's third and long, or it's a handoff draw play for three yards and it's third and long still. Like that's the part that baffles me is they're so content with field goals and a given the history of field goals in Minnesota, but also b just the nature of the game and how mandatory it is now to score touchdowns. And especially, I mean, there's just so many reasons to dislike that strategy for me. I hate that approach. Uh, You score touchdowns and to win in the NFL especially against the best teams in the league, they score touchdowns every game. They don't settle for field goals. They're not kicking four field goals every week. They're scoring touchdowns. The Vikings are not doing that right now. And it's it's costing them games. Uh, and it almost cost them a game against the Detroit Lions.
1: Well, I mean, you can just look so far as the Kansas City-Buffalo game last night. I mean, Buffalo was scoring touchdowns. Kansas City yep. was kicking field goals. Kansas City ended up getting boat raced by one of the best offenses in the NFL. The Vikings were playing the Lions. Imagine if it was—I mean, any of these teams coming up. I just mentioned Carolina before. You got Dallas after the bye. You think you think sixteen is going to be good enough to sit on it on? Dallas just scored Dallas?
0: forty-five. They just scored forty-five.
1: <laughs> okay, so let's change the process here. That's basically what I'm ramping up to. I mean, we can cut kind of the the negativity on that mark, but that's what like the, between now and Dallas, we got to figure out how to change that process a little bit. I don't necessarily mean stop running on first down all the time. I don't necessarily mean stop running draws on second and 12, because that can work. Like they're in theory that those plays can work, but ramp it up to something, right? Like that's what the most frustrating part. Cause like in theory, when you're calling plays, you're not just calling the individual play, you're calling plays for the future too. So when you're drawing in the defense with all of these run plays, like outside run after outside run after outside run. So then the inside run, and then all of these runs, should be setting up something else, right, Mm -hmm. in theory, so that when you get to the third quarter and Madison's got 17 rushes and the safeties are coming up on you, you've got Jefferson over the top one-on-one and basically can beat anyone in the secondary one-on-one, sometimes two-on-one. You get that opportunity as a result. So, like, play into your hand. Like, if you're going to be a running football team, all right, I can live with that. But, like, you got to take advantage of the the, the good things about being a running football team, the things that Tennessee is able to do with play action with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones when he's available. Because Henry forces eight in the box, because Delvin Cook forces eight in the box, you have to take that shot, that 12-18 to yarder. Hell, the 20-plus yarder as well. That's open because you have two great receivers and a running back demands someone to come up up in the box from, from a defensive back position take advantage of it. That's all I'm asking. Great that you won. Ultimately 2 and 3 is all you needed here. Like I don't really I really don't care about the fact that you almost lost because you did win. And like I said at the top, a moral loss is not fun. I'm I'm done with it. I prefer I prefer to get the victory even if it's ugly. We've done the, the the reverse and it hasn't been fun. But let's change the process before we get to Dallas because that's going to be a boat race otherwise. Like it's yeah. going to be a real problem. So Right. With that being said, there are some positives here, and there are some things that can lead to optimism moving forward here, right? Like, it's not just an individual pos- like positive moment here. We have Christian Darasaw getting his first reps and looking good. That's something mm-hmm. that doesn't just matter for the Dallas game that I've been talking about, but that matters for the Dallas game in six years from now as well. He looks very content as a rookie. Like, he looks like a solid NFL caliber player that I'm ready for him to start. I don't think yeah. there's any reason to believe that he's not more talented or ready to go in terms of generating successful results on a snap-to-sap basis than Rashad Hill is. So, I mean, I'm ready. That's the biggest positive for me is you might have found your left yeah, tackle of the future. Granted, it's it a yeah. pass rush, but...
0: It's positive to see him play well, perform well. I was rattled by the whole swapping tackles thing. Just play the guy. <laughs> Why do that? There's no reason to do that. Cause is a rookie. He's trying to get his into a rhythm. The last, like it's, I'm not going the last thing for a guy that, you know, you would want to do is that because he's still getting game time in the NFL regular season. But I do. I mean, I'm kind of a believer in, in players having a rhythm of some kind, getting comfortable, getting used to things. How is Darius going to get comfortable getting into a rhythm in his first NFL action? If he's swapping out series with another tackle, don't agree with that. It takes me back to 2016 in the Philadelphia game. Um, they went to Philadelphia, where they had just signed Jake Long. This is the TJ Clemmings, Jake Long situation where they were swapping those guys back and forth. Obviously, didn't work. Um, and I just, I, I don't agree with that. So pick a left tackle for the Carolina game. Don't care who it is. Uh, but then, and to your point, I do think Darius is the guy you start for sure after the bye week uh, because it seems like he had a pretty solid. You know, he was. Fairly comfortable, looked very, uh, um, you know, capable already in his first action.
1: I think he gives you the best chance to win. That's how I feel right now. That's how I feel. You know, this isn't just a development matter. Uh, but giving him more reps out there in theory will make him a better football mm-hmm. player. This is also, I think he's the best player at the left tackle position that the Vikings have on their depth chart right now. So that's a big positive for me. I know it's a small sample size. And I know this is kind of a Monday overreaction as well. Like, I, I'm not saying he's Trent Williams or anything no. like that, but <laughs> he he does look very good. His first reps, both in pass protection and as kind of, you know, a running a, a rush attack mauler um, were really good. I was happy with him. And, and one thing that I noticed too is that he has the mentality to be a lineman based off of video, right? Like I could see him looking for work, which is a term that offensive linemen love to use, right? As soon as you don't have a guy directly in front of your face, you're looking to your left. You're looking to your right to find someone else to either help out one of your teammates or find someone that's trying to cut through a hole. That's called looking for work. And it's something that saw mm-hmm. did on multiple plays yesterday. And it's something that you notice right away. I mean, there's a difference between looking for work and not knowing what you're doing, right? Like he was trying to find answers to questions that he already seemed to have the answer to. He didn't look like a rookie out there. He was a smart football player. He seemed ready. And as long as that, you know, as long as his health holds up, he's got to be out there moving forward because um, at the very least, you're developing a player at this point. He's ready to go. He's ready for that development stage, I believe. So big positive coming out of Minnesota um, against Detroit in that game. Uh, On the other side here, of course, when the defense, you know, excuse me, when the opposing offense only scores 17 points, you're going to have some highlight moments for the defense as well. I know there are some missed opportunities and really Detroit had some missed opportunities with Kirk as well. But as a whole, I think you have to be fairly satisfied with the performance of this collective unit on defense against an offense that may not have a lot of playmakers, but they have shown that an ability to show, to put up points in the recent weeks.
0: I think, I mean, they did what they were supposed to do, um, which I think right now, um, you know, with this team and the way that defense kind of started the year, they were struggling against Cincy. They struggled against Arizona. Uh, You know, there was some questions about this, this defense, but it seems like they've really picked it up the last two and a half games or so that for really the first half that Seattle games, the last time I, there were some big concerns after that, they've really stepped it up. Uh, The pass rush has been there. Uh, It seems like things are tightening up a little bit on the back end, but really it just seems like the pass rush is getting to a point where it's getting there a little bit quicker and just making things so much easier on the secondary. So and Patrick Pearson is making some plays, he had a couple of nice breakups in the Detroit game here. So um, it's not perfect. It's not 2017, but uh, you're seeing some of that opportunistic, uh, the the tendency there um, that kind of was, was there in the prime Zimmer Vikings defense days, seeing some of that come back right now, which I, I think is really fun to see. So I like the sense that it, it was comforting for me as a fan to to watch this game against a, uh, a lesser Lions team, and throughout the whole game I was confident this Vikings defense isn't going to give up the big play, isn't going to give up a ton of yards or you know a ton of points because they're going to do what they had to do
1: it's, it's one of those games where you kind of question like, all right, like what does this film mean? Right? Like the Mm -hmm. pass rush looked really good. Of course, Wanham gets a sack, Hunter gets a sack and Everson Griffin had a pair. Um, And then on top of that, you got seven quarterback hits as well. Like the pressure was getting there, but how much stock do you put on it? I mean, these are professionals, of course, like it's an NFL game. These count towards your career totals. Like they don't, this sack doesn't mean anything less than a sack from the past, but It is against Detroit, so I'm curious to see if this pass rush is truly improving at the rate that it appears to, or if this is just kind of a fluky. All right, you're playing against a rookie left tackle. I mean, inferior right tackle.
0: I think the way they played against Cleveland last week was kind of like this type. This to me like validates what they did against Cleveland last week. To me, uh, where they were, you know, they were high pressure rate. Baker was not comfortable. Um, I think you kind of see it validated this week, uh, albeit against Detroit. But I mean, even the reason they score a touchdown is because Madison fumbled at the, oh, their own twenty. I mean, they didn't have a touchdown before that, so um, I, I think I'm not like all oh, the Vikings defense. The prime Vikings defense is back, you know, from the the 2017 days. No, but um, it's certainly at a point where it's it's. I think it is much improved from 2020. I think now just finding a way for that offense to get kind of back to 2020 level um, you know, then you can kind of see this team maybe start to compete a little bit better and more consistently with better teams, but defensively, uh, I'm pleased Anthony bar was back. He was hustling. He's making plays. He's shooting gaps a lot better than we saw from mm-hmm. vigil, you know? So that was a nice, a nice sight to see there. I'm sure he'll get more comfortable with, uh, with more game reps here.
1: Absolutely, uh, Eric Kendricks remains the best coverage linebacker in the NFL. His catch radius is absurd. Um, that, interception that was stupid. That he had was not just an important interception, but a f- imp- an impressive physical feat as well. Um, he's an outstanding player and continues to you know patrol the middle of the field as well as anyone out there. Uh, did Cam Dansler play yesterday? Because I didn't see him. If he did, which
0: well, I mean Breeland got a lot of play. Uh, I, so here's the thing about Breeland. Um, he he makes. I, I thought he made a couple of nice plays, nice tackles, whether it was, you know, it's like a third and eight and he's tackling the guy short of the sticks or things like that and the run support. The The coverage thing obviously is in terms of letting guys open is obviously to hit the primary job as a cornerback. Um, you know, whatever, you know, like whatever. Uh, it seems like Zimmer likes him. So clearly there's a discrepancy between
1: I think what Zimmer, Zimmer likes thinks because he does and, tackle I and think the that's pro why football
0: focus him. thing, and I think that's what it is. Um, it's probably a little bit of Breland's attitude too, and I think it's probably honestly the way he snapped back at Thomason, Zimmer's like, yeah, yeah, I like this guy, I like this guy. Uh, but I'm I'm I don't hate Breeland as much as I feel like I should. I don't know. Maybe that's just like that. That big play that the, to give up has not been there for a few weeks, so I think I'm kind of like easing up my. Disdain, I guess, but you know we'll get to a point here where it's Carolina and DJ Moore flies by him next week, or yeah, Dallas in a few weeks, whatever the case might be, and then that that'll come back, I'm sure.
1: I think he's still the weakest link, but he hasn't reared his ugly head in that regard lately. I will say that he is a good tackler and that's definitely why Zimmer likes him because he loves his corners to tackle first and foremost, where most people prefer them to cover first. I mean,
0: remember how good Trey Wayne's got at tackling, Uh, but he came into the league and it was scared. he was scared to tackle the first game against the best uh, run. He came
1: in the hall of fame game.
0: Right, right, right. And he became one of the best like run defending corners in the NFL. You know, those last couple of years in Minnesota. So, Clearly, that was a trait they're looking for with Breland, and he fulfills that. It's just it's the passing league, and you're going to have more. You know, that's your your job entails more of defending a player in in pass defense than helping out against the run most of the time. So.
1: All right, so I think we got a pretty good overall review of what happened yesterday. Uh, Not good enough offensively, but good enough to win, and then defensively keeps chugging along, does its thing against a team that we consider to be an inferior Mm -hmm. opponent. Um, Looks that way on paper as well. So Vikings defense heading up. Uh, Vikings offense seemingly trending down and not really at the most optimal of times, but you are two and three. Like I said before, this gives you the opportunity to go three and three into your buy and then be realistically back in NFC contention against Dallas and through what three weeks out from now. Uh, Is it a, you know, considerable thing to, you know, hope this Vikings team will accomplish to get back to three and three against Carolina, have this buy and then compete with Dallas. I mean, some things got to go right, but The fact is, is that they do have the opportunity there now. And again, this is a 17 game season. So two and three is not necessarily terrible. So that big kick from Greg Joseph, I think it saved Mike Zimmer's job. I think, you know, Greg Joseph continues to have a very good season with the exception of the one kick in Arizona and ultimately two and three is all that matters. And you're going to have the opportunity next week, starting with Carolina.
0: I'll say this too. Well, before we move on to the, you know, giving out game balls, I want to say like, we've talked about, luck on this show a little bit, how it Mm -hmm. seems like the Vikings have sort of had bad luck in, you know, the missed field goal and kind of the way you think shook out in Cincinnati with the Dalvin fumble. This seems like it was kind of the balancing act a little bit where the Vikings did not deserve to win this game Mm -hmm. and the way it played out at the end, they missed management of everything. This feels like they kind of got one, like the football gods gave them back one a little bit here. Uh, So like people kind of say, well, one and three, isn't really indicative of what the Vikings are. I I think, you know, two and three kind of is, you know, you have a couple that you probably should have won earlier in the Mm -hmm. season, but didn't this one feels like it should have been a loss and it wasn't. So I'm kind of, you know, that luck argument now that I see sometimes I'm kind of out on that now. I think it was valid the first couple of weeks, you know, when it was something like the actual chance of the Vikings, both missing that 37 yard kick and that Dalvin fumble, yeah. It was like one point three percent, you know, but the Vi- the chances of the Vikings winning this game after the Lions went for two, which by the way, Bravo for to Dan Campbell for going for two there. I love that, um, but the chances of them winning that game after the way they cost the, I mean, the way they basically coughed the whole thing up, mm-hmm. um, they didn't deserve that one. So I'm kind of the football gods gave one back.
1: Yeah, the pendulum swung back in the the quote right direction or the in the good guys direction um, relative to us at least. Um, mm-hmm you kind of think that Detroit's got some good luck coming their way as well, by the way.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Beaten by I mean, a they've yarder they've lost a two games yarder. this year. They've lost two games this year, 19 to 17. And one was on a 66 yard field goal <laughs> and, and one was on either, a 54 yard field goal. And that's correct. Yeah. I mean, the Lions could very easily be two and three, three and two football team. Uh, right now they're, they're the best 0 o- and five team. They have to be in the league right now.
1: The one I thing I will are, but... say about this, and then we'll give out these game balls, is just that you don't you hate to use your luck on this one, right? Like I think that's what's so frustrating is that you had yeah, to right. use your luck yeah. here, right? If
0: you're the if you're the type of person that believes like there's a certain amount of luck you yeah, yeah. gets every year, I like, am. I'm like that. Like using a lot of it against Detroit is is not ideal. Um,
1: I believe but, in I, mean, I believe in odds. And to me, every time you use up one of your quote good results it lowers your odds which is wrong. I know how math works. I don't know how math works, but like I understand. I know I'm wrong. You understand
0: that the likelihood of a lucky event does not, you know, it goes decrease down or increase getting... the chance of a of a lucky event the next time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but. that it's whatever. This is not a math show. So, let's give out game balls. Um uh, I'll start because I, I I think there's a couple of them here. Um but I want to give it to Everson Griffin this week specifically. Uh, here's why. He's not supposed to be here first and foremost, right? The plan was not for Everson Griffin to be with the Minnesota Mm -hmm. Vikings in 2021. The hope was that DJ Wanham or, you know, Stephen Weatherly, someone else would ascend to that spot. He has forced his way back here. He's on a very, very generous contract. um, And he's got a sack in the last three games consistently, at least one sack in all three games. He got two game, two of them here in Detroit. So really, you can't say, oh, it's Detroit's offense. Well, it's everyone. He's getting sacks on everyone right now. And he's got four sacks in four games played uh, for him specifically. So he is doing exactly what you brought him in to do and more, really. I think he has ascended to being an official starter. And really, this game was kind of just icing on the cake. Everson Griffin is back. He's real. He might get 10 sacks this year opposite to Neil Hunter, who, by the way, might get 15, 16, 17 sacks of his own.
0: Uh, I was, that was going to be my pick actually for game ball. Uh, that was my number one. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, Griffin, he's, he made Penny Sewell look uh, like a, rookie. like a, like a, like a, you know, D3 undrafted player. Um, no offense to Ben Barge, I guess that's probably not the way I should phrase <laughs> that, but uh, he looked like he, I mean, Sewell was lost on two straight plays there. Both were sacks by Griffin or at least maybe got a half sack on one of them. Um, but that spin move is still there. I mean, that, yeah. There's yeah. Griffin spin move. He works all game to set that thing up. And when he executes it, it is a thing of beauty. It's still there. He'll be spin putting a, a spin move on tackles for the next 10 years. Still, probably the guy has that energy, that charisma, that leadership, that, that, um, you know, the motivation uh, that he brings to the team. I, I love that energy that he has. So um, good for him. I loved seeing that um, my game ball, I go Justin Jefferson, it's a pretty easy pick. The guy's open all the time. Uh, he just, I I am fearful of the the Stefan Diggs uh, kind of ask. event yeah. happening here uh, with Jefferson because the guy should not be getting only eight targets in a game where he dominated the first half. Um, I think he had five for 104 in the first half uh, and they just kind of went away from him. That's the most insane thing to me. Um you, this guy is open every single play. Um, and if he's not, you can still throw it to him. He's probably gonna catch the ball if it's a kind of jump ball scenario. The guy's great at high point the ball in breaking routes, outbreaking routes, um, after the catch. The guy does everything. And for him to only get eight targets in a game that was still in doubt, still in contest uh, still being contested throughout the whole game, guys should be seeing double digit targets every single week. And, um, but regardless, the Vikings found a superstar here in Jefferson. Uh, and he's easy to root for as well. Uh, very fun to have him around. And it, it's just a thing of beauty to watch him just devastate cornerbacks.
1: Absolutely. He's an out, he's outstanding. And he really was, you know, the most consistent like dynamic presence for the Vikings offense against the lions. Madison was good, but he was more of a chugger. Uh, Jefferson on the other hand was racking up first downs with regularity, making great plays. He did have the one that went off the top of his hands. that really was a Kirk problem um, that was almost picked off, but another great game for jefferson he's extremely impressive and i believe his rate in terms of catching catch percentage yards per game etc is actually higher than it was at this point last year so yards
0: per game catch rate and receptions per game are all up from last year which it doesn't seem like that. He kind of got it was a kind of a slow first game Mm -hmm. but he's and 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 it still feels like he's not being targeted enough which is something to note about how special he is and uh, I just, I don't want, you know, cause we know how impressive Diggs is and what he became yeah. last year when he went to Buffalo, when he actually got a fair amount of targets. I'm really afraid of that happening again, which is another reason I'm harping on this whole pass the ball more, be more aggressive thing, because you have a guy like Jefferson who's so special don't want to lose him. You want to take advantage of it and uh, use it to the full advantage you have while he's in Minnesota.
1: My final question here, just on that note, cause that was going to be kind of my thought final thought here today was that, Um, What incentive does Justin Jefferson have to remain here after his rookie contract is up? Like the NFL, none. That's my point. I mean, NFL doesn't have one. The NFL doesn't have the, you know, kind of the, the, the max deal that the NBA does, where it kind of incentivizes players to stay on the team that drafted them. You know, there's no reason for him to believe that he can't have more success in a different offense or a different styled offense really the only incentive Jefferson has through, you know, one and a half years of his career to, you know, continue playing for Minnesota long-term is familiarity. And what is that worth? I don't know how much. So I, I mean, it's something to think about. It really doesn't matter. And it's honestly, it's something to think it's something that you, we don't want to put this in your head when really it's not something like, to I, think about,
0: you know, I, I wonder because it worked out so well for the Vikings. I mean, it, it, in the sense that they were able to get, Jefferson to fault him in the draft mm-hmm. um, even though you know they gave up digs which another one of those process versus results thing like that's that's bad process to trade your superstar receiver who's <laughs> right. the best route runner in the league um that, and they got super lucky to get Jefferson I hope some sort of message has been sent to your front office or coaching staff like if your star receiver wants out and it's apparently as we've heard it was due to their philosophy of run first maybe internally ask that question um maybe we should be improving what we do um but and jefferson he's it's fine he's putting up really good numbers don't get me wrong but he's being that efficient where just keep going to the guy um and don't waste him don't you know get the four years out of him this team is terrible right now so they're not going to be competitive and then when you actually are able to put together a competitive roster then he wants out because you're trying to run the ball too much that's what i'm afraid of I hope the Vikings don't uh, don't fall into that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's your playmaker. He's got to be the guy. Uh, you got to shift your focus a little bit here. And for if nothing if nothing else, I mean, for the safety of Dalvin Cook, you should probably start throwing the ball a little bit more, or at least you know finding a, a right. different balance. I of am kind of I am a little 35.
0: bit I'm a little bit pleased that they did sit Dalvin for the sake of his long term and like yeah he was trying was to say right all move. week like he was saying all week like oh I'm gonna be you know I'm not 100 percent but I'm gonna play through it and it's like well you know, with already missing a third of your career games, probably don't want to want to do that.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, the Vikings were able to get it done despite the lack of Dalvin cook, Uh, you know, ugly win, but it's a win nonetheless. Um, any final thoughts before we get out of here?
0: Uh, I love Brandon Staley.
1: Uh, he's a lot of fun. Chargers
0: head coach, dude, it, I, I, I love his approach to fourth downs and maybe it's just cause I'm becoming one of those nerd analytics guys. Who's always like when probability on fourth yeah. down, you got to go for it. But right. he went for a fourth and two at his own, like 25 and I think the third quarter um, went for a fourth and seven in a tie game. Uh, I believe like just past midfield there. I the remember questioning that one. So, yeah. and I mean, he, I love it because it's, I think a, it's the modern, the approach to fourth downs but also be like that just shows a ton of trust in your players and your players are going to want to play for you more so i love that guy and i think uh you know that's the type of coach that type of mindset that i want the vikings to have
1: yeah especially with kind of some strange news stories going on with coaches right now between john gruden and urban meyer i mean brandon Stanley looks like a hell of a hire right yeah, he does. I mean, that was only what well, that was last year right he's either a rookie yeah. or a second year head coach so i mean yeah he's a lot of fun man and like i said before on the last show if you haven't heard his philosophy on running the football definitely go back and listen to that quote yeah um he's outstanding Mm -hmm. he just understands the game and he understands the contemporary game which is kind of where the love is lost with mike zimmer right now but that's a story for another day so until then uh, make sure to check out the rest of the Climbing the pocket network um you get like i said before on every show pretty much recently we have uh Climbing the Pocket has live shows Monday through Friday, uh, podcasts throughout the week as well, a bunch of different content creators. So if you don't like me or you don't like Drew for some reason, go check someone else out. There's plenty of different kind of approaches on our team. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you listen to our podcast, you can find us there. Uh, You can find us on Daily Norseman as well. Feel free to drop us a comment. Uh, We enjoy reading those. It's always fun for us. Um, and until then, uh, we'll be back later on this week to discuss the Carolina matchup here. Uh, another very big one for the Vikings, given their current standing, but an opportunity to get back to the 500 mark. And I think it's a real opportunity as well, especially given Carolina's recent performance. So we'll dive deeper into that and then we'll head into the weekend. So thank you as always for listening and we'll catch you guys later on. this week.